Awesome admission professionals. This podcast is the Admissions Entrepreneur, a day in the life. I'm your host, Tom Skank. I'm the founder of Dartmouth Associates, and we are the creators of the Results Oriented Recruiting System, otherwise known as ROAR, a proprietary enrollment intervention that integrates entrepreneurial thinking and sales fundamentals to immediately help schools in crisis. We are also the first and only global consultancy to assist K-12 independent schools with their enrollment needs and through integrated multimedia campaigns, introduce schools to companies that bring best-in-class products and services that enhance their recruiting process from around the world. Dartmouth Associates offers 360 enrollment audits, online results-oriented recruiting training, executive admission masterclasses, keynote addresses, conference facilitation, and director placement searches. We also offer three integrated media campaigns designed to both exalt and align admission professionals from around the globe. This podcast, The Admissions Entrepreneur, A Day in the Life, our Roar Magazine, the first ever upscale lifestyle publication for the admission professional, and the San Diego Admission Fest Summit, Power Marketing for the New Era. These diverse campaigns are also designed to offer aggressive sponsorship opportunities for companies wanting to exhibit their products and services to the admission office market. If you need recruiting help or would like to promote your products or services, please email us at dartmouthassociates at gmail.com or go to our website at www.dartmouthassociates.com. Today, we're bringing fun and insights to your profession. We have incredible guests who share their unique life stories with you. So please make sure to catch each and every episode and like, subscribe, and share. Now, let's get started. David Hopkins is the Director of Admissions and Enrollment Management at Miss Hall School. He has lived and studied in four different countries, which really sparked his passion for the international student experience, which has led him to his current role at Miss Hall's. David is a thought leader who has totally redesigned the school's financial aid program. His approach has moved away from the traditional model to an indexed tuition model called personalized family tuition. This has allowed the process to be more transparent and accessible for families. People can reach David through his social media or website, as well as his email, which is dhopkins at misshalls.org. That is dhopkins at misshalls.org. And also this information will be in the show notes. David, welcome and thank you for your wonderful time. Thank you, Tom. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. I will, uh, I will share with our listeners that uh, we realized you were involved almost uh, 20-some years ago in a summer workshop that I put together, and it's uh, delightful to see that you're still in the profession. So nice job, and I really look forward to spending some time with you and 
getting your thoughts on a lot of areas. Um, let's start off with a question about what you were doing uh, in these four countries uh, that ultimately led you to admissions. Sure, sure. So, so I, I went to college late. So uh, after, after high school, I took some time and um, actually did a lot of traveling. Oh. And um, I'm really passionate about about language and culture and um, traveled a lot uh, domestically and then in North America and then got really interested. And in, I wanted to see for myself what what the reality of life in the Middle East was. And mm. through a friend of mine, um, his son owned a, owns a, a bakery in Amman. So I decided to to travel to Jordan and um, not really with not really with any sort of a plan um, and not not speaking a word of Arabic, but just wanting <laughs> to have an experience and, and see where things went. And um, I was lucky enough to get caught up in a scholarship program where I could take a full slate of Arabic language classes and receive a uh, free room and board. And that sounded just perfect to me. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I studied, um, I studied Arabic, uh, language at the, um, college of Islamic sciences in Amman, Jordan for a year. And that was just a really, a really mind opening experience and learned a lot about myself. And that really, you know, concretized my, my focus on, on languages and culture and wanting to be, you know, uh, a bridge, a bridge for understanding and communication between people. It was, it was really interesting to be fully immersed in, in a Muslim country, Muslim culture, and to be able to sort of look back objectively at the, at the culture where, where I came from. And so, um, Eventually, I realized that, you know, this is what I wanted to do with my life. And, and that's when I returned back to, to the U.S. and I enrolled in uh, Binghamton University and ended up uh, uh, pursuing my, my passion for language, but uh, focused on Spanish. Mm. And so I got my um, uh, degree in Spanish language and literature from Binghamton University. But having gone back to university, started starting university when I was 28, I was very well aware of, of, let's just say the opportunity that study abroad actually lends to, mm. to people. And I, I said, how, how are more, how are more students not taking advantage of this while they're, while they're in school, you know? So um, while I was at Binghamton University, I spent a year studying Spanish at the University of Oviedo in mm. the north of Spain. And uh, then managed to manipulate my credits just enough that um, <laughs> I was able to do uh, my last semester of university at the University of Ulster in Coleraine, Northern Ireland. Wow. And that's actually that's actually where I graduated from in in January uh, 2001. So so having been having been, you know, a student studying in 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 several different educational systems and understanding, you know, the challenges that, 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 that faces both from just an academic standpoint, trying to figure out what the expectations and assumptions were of different teachers, different schools, 
different systems in, in different countries, but then also going through, you know, relocating and being homesick and making new friends and landing on my feet. I, you know, I obviously have a lot of empathy for international students, but also sure. believe really, really passionately in what a tremendous opportunity it is um, for students who, who choose to study um, in different countries. And, and it, it, you know, really revolutionized my way of thought or, or, you know, blew it wide open and put me on my, on my path personally. And so supporting kids who are, who are making this same, this same step um, is really, really natural for me. So um, after I graduated, I uh, sort of fell into, fell into teaching. I started teaching Spanish um, at uh, St. Paul's school in Covington, Louisiana, wasn't seeking a teaching job, wasn't seeking to get into education um, per se. I had never stepped foot on a, on an independent school campus before oh. um, and just fell in love with it, fell in love with, um, with you know, the school culture. Um, it was really mind opening for me. Um, I, I went to high school at a very large um, public high school in upstate New York, you know, 4,000 kids. Um, and being in a, a, a small independent school um, learning environment was just a completely, completely new experience for me. And um, St. Paul's is an all boys school. That was another new dynamic for me and, um, I, and, and really loved it, loved the connections with the kids, loved the, the freedom and flexibility that, that um, you know, we enjoy in the classroom in an independent school setting. Um, so from there, I went to... Um, uh, Raven Gap Nakuchi school in North Georgia. And yes. I, I continued, I continued teaching and I taught for, I was about 11 or 12 years in the classroom and then decided that, you know, I was looking for, you know, a next step, something, something new, but staying within teaching. Um, Raven Gap has a really large, um, and important international student population. So, um, I proposed to my head at the time that I be the point person for all of our international programming and support services that we offer to our students. Um, up uh -huh. until that point, we were taking good care of our kids. But what I noticed is that um, it was coming from all different angles. You know, you mm -hmm. had, you know, the dean of students doing some stuff, admissions was doing other stuff. Um, it just sort of fell kind of all over the place. And I felt that it would, it would probably make a, a better program if, if it could just come under the direction of one person. So, so I became the director of international programs at Raven Gap. And um, in that role, I began to uh, travel so that I could meet my students' families so, so they could make a connection with mom and dad. They know who they're emailing with. They know who their point of contact is. Um, and then from there, it was a slippery slope into admission. So, you know, I'd be in Mexico City and my director of admissions would say, you know, you're going to be in Mexico city and there's a fair at this time. Do you mind just working the fair? And before you know it, it was, it was, we were off and running. And so um, eventually the, the um, uh, international admissions piece fell into my um, sort of under my umbrella. And, um, and then from there, just full blown into, into admissions work. This episode is sponsored by School Connections. The idea is simple, affordable and meaningful venues for traditional boarding schools, therapeutic schools and domestic and international educational consultants to come together for informational and networking purposes. This process 
ultimately leads to the successful placing of students into the most compatible environments. School Connections workshops involve multiple individual meetings between educational consultants and admissions representatives from schools and programs. Their workshops range from two to three days and allow attendees to maximize their time with individual appointments in one workshop in one location. I know from experience, School Connections is a fantastic program. And if you are looking for students, please reach out to them at schoolconnections.org. That's schoolconnections.org. Yeah, it's it's amazing how people get into it. Uh, there is no degree, as we know. There, ASAP has got a tremendous uh, certificate program, but there are no colleges. And in fact, USC actually has a wonderful program also, but no real college four-year degrees and admissions. And as you and I both know, it's probably one of the most diverse skill sets you're going to need to do well in this profession. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. What I, what I really get out of it is, is kind of going back to, um, you know, my initial interest in, in traveling and experiencing different cultures is, is for me, it's, it's, it's all about relationship building. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's such a relational, um, profession. I'm, I'm, I'm never happier professionally than when I'm able to just sit down with a family or sit down with a student and talk about Miss Hall school and the programs and, and see what makes them tick and, and make that connection. And, you know, from the international uh, piece, you know, I find that just really personally, I, I, I like crossing that cultural bridge. I like, I, I really enjoy understanding, you know, where other people are coming from, what, what's important to them, um, you know, thinking about what questions they had and where that, where that comes from and, and bringing it all together for a great experience for the students. What are the primary skills do you feel that has allowed you to be successful in admissions? And what do you also feel that anyone coming into the profession now absolutely has to have in terms of skill sets? I would say two things. I, the first is is what I just touched on. It's it what's helped me be successful and and arrive at my role at the at, at you know being the the director of admissions and enrollment management is is precisely that the mm-hmm. the the relational skills, the interpersonal skills that really translates into into my personal management style. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I like to create a very a very collaborative team. Um, that was something that that Miss Hall School was was uh, seeking to to create, sort of on an institutional level. Was sort of breaking down the silos. Um, for me personally, that was I've always thought that you know advancement and admissions need to work together. The word we're two sides of the same coin, right? Absolutely. And so, yes. And so being able to uh, being able to sort of develop you know an an ethos of of collaboration across departments, but then within my own department, you know, shared responsibility and understanding. Um, I'm not really a, a top-down sort of guy when it comes to leadership. It's like, let's go. We're all in this together. This is what needs to be accomplished. Um, and then the other point I was going to touch on, I think, you know, in admissions right now, in order in order to be, you know, successful and really enjoy it, you have to have a, a real a real hunger to try new things. You, you need to, you know, it's a, it's a 24 seven job, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, yep. you know, we, we definitely saw it, you know, this year in the, in the, the new, you know, COVID landscape of what outreach looks like. 
Uh Um, you know, you really gotta, you have to want to get after it and you have to have an open mind about what that looks like. You need to, you need to, you know, embrace challenges with, you know, curiosity and see them as, as opportunities. And I think, I think we're going to, I think admissions going forward is never, it's never going to be like it was before, you know, we're going to be doing, I agree. We're going to be doing all the things that we did before and everything that we have done this past year as well. And so it's, it's a, it's a really interesting and exciting time to be in admissions because, because it's, we're entering into like a new, a new world of what that, of what admissions outreach looks like and, and means. Let me get back to, uh, because I certainly agree, I think COVID has changed the way we operate forever. Uh, in a way, it's been good. It's allowed us to have different options to reach out to people. But let me, let me get back to your question or your statement about bringing the community together, because you're absolutely right. Uh, I have seen offices and schools where there are silos and the teachers don't really understand what admissions does and admissions feels they get no respect. Uh, so what did you do coming in, uh, to really put that team effort approach together? It's about, it's about, uh, transparency, uh, first and foremost. In fact, right after this call, I'm going to prepare for a faculty and staff meeting that we're having, uh, tomorrow afternoon where I'll be presenting, you know, an enrollment update to, to the entire community. And prior to my arrival, um, that might've happened every once in a while, but it wasn't a regular um, regular occurrence and uh-huh. at, at basically every faculty and staff meeting that we have at, at Miss Hall's. Um, I'm a part of it. I'm a voice. I'm, I'm talking about where our numbers are. I'm giving them, I'm giving the entire community an update on what's, you know, what my team is doing, what our outreach is looking like, um, what we're seeing, the, the feedback that we're getting in um, from, you know, the different markets. Um, and it's, it's, it's been really embraced by, by the school community, just being sort of in on the conversation, but then to the latter point that you made, they're getting a much better sense of, of how hard we work and, and what we do, you know? So, um, that's been, that's been a a really important step and that's been, that's been enhanced this year in, you know, in the absence, you know, you know, traditionally having, you know, one open house in the fall that was sort of like an all, all hands on deck event, and then maybe an accepted students day in the spring again, and, and one more all hands on deck sure. experience. Our yeah. outreach this year has been we've we've uh, we've done um, webinars and um, class experiences uh, every every other week, starting wow. in September, and it's still going on right now. So um, uh, now they've switched to uh, sort of a hybrid of accepted student events. Um, but also outreach to, to prospective families in the, in the spring pipeline. And that's allowed us to really engage in a very, very constructive and healthy way. Almost every member of our community, very directly, you know, last, last Thursday, we had, uh, our statistics, our statistics teacher did a, did a classroom experience, um, for newly accepted students, Mm -hmm. you know, um, earlier we did, uh, um, you know, a bingo night for newly accepted students. It's, it's, it, it's stuff that's really fun. Um, we're doing, you know, art classes and um, panel discussions and this kind of thing. So really helping, helping the, the wider community understand what the outreach means, what it looks like in reality, but also helping them to feel a real sense of being valued and appreciated and, and 
responsible for that outreach. As as we uh, as we know, uh, there are so many moving parts to admissions. We really just can't do it without the community support. Absolutely. Well, nice job on putting that together. It sounds like you've got a lot of success. Let me ask you a little bit about your position uh, as Director of Admission and Enrollment Management. This episode is sponsored by the Independent Educational Consultants Association. It is the largest and most respected organization representing independent educational consultants. An IECA member educational consultant is a skilled professional who provides counseling to help students and families choose a school that is a good personal match, one that will foster the student's academic and social growth. IECA members adhere to the strictest ethical ethical standards in the profession, visit hundreds of campuses each year, and are among the most experienced educational consultants in the profession. They focus on finding the best match between student and school. Many schools have gained students from new communities because of their outreach to IECA members. Personally, I was a director of admissions for 20 years, and the IECA consultants were crucial in helping me find the best mission-appropriate students. They are fantastic people to work with. In fact, national and regional media, as well as government agencies, rely on IECA as the authority of the profession. IECA is consistently cited by the media as the association with ethical, student-centered advising. For more information on how to connect with IECA members, go to iecaonline.com. That's iecaonline.com. Sometimes people feel those are interchangeable. How do you really differentiate those two titles? Yeah, I think I think the um, you know it looks. I think it looks different in different organizations and different institutions. Um, the way I admit the way I differentiate the two titles is is you know admissions is obviously it's new student recruitment. So it's overseeing, um, you know, how are we getting in the next class of kids for next year? What those numbers look like, um, um, you know, really boots on the ground um, coordination of of outreach, and then um, I view the enrollment management piece as looking at at overall from this is sort of a much more you know leadership level position in the school uh, actively um, you know engaged in the discussion with, you know, my CFO and, and, and head of school about what are enrollment goals? Um, what, you know, what is, you know, right sizing for the school? Um, it brings into, to play, you know, retention, re-enrollment, um, and, and just sort of an overarching larger picture, um, of, of where the school is and, and what we want to become in the future in terms of enrollment numbers. That's about as succinct uh, overview as I've heard. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Obviously, a big part of admissions these days is diversity and inclusion. And you have developed a program, which I'd love for you to tell our listeners about as it relates to financial aid. Kind of tell us what, how financial aid was being done when you came in and why you felt it needed to be changed and why it's been successful for you, please. Yeah, sure thing. I'm super excited about, 
about this and it's been, it's been really successful for us this is the first year that we've, um, uh, uh, implemented personalized family tuition for our families. And it's been just enthusiastically embraced by both new and returning families. So, so happy to have the opportunity to talk about it. Thanks. Um, so when I arrived four years ago, what I realized is that there wasn't really, um, there wasn't a clear strategy in terms of how we were allocating financial aid dollars. Mm -hmm. And um, that had translated into incoming classes having a lower average net tuition per student than grad than graduating classes, which is, you know, not a trend you want to be on the, on the wrong side of. So the, the first step was internally developing um, uh, a strategy about how we were going to allocate our, our financial aid dollars. And I guess I should back up and just preface it. So Miss Halls is, is fully committed to to equity and access and over 70 percent of our families receive some level of of financial aid so uh so with that in mind it was just really important to get our ducks in a row um on the backside internally in terms of how we were going to allocate um our financial aid resources and the way that 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 played out was Oh, it took a couple of years to, to get it right. But, but basically what we do each year is we, we set our net tuition revenue goals. We set our average net tuition goals. And then we create sort of a, we, we call it on our end, a, a bucket system. So we have, you know, X amount of spots for students that can pay, you know, 10% of full tuition. We have X amount of spots for, you know, 20 to 30% and so on. And, um, we, we, we set that out at the beginning of the, at the beginning of the mission season. And then that allowed us over the next couple of years to, you know, with a strategy in place and really tracking things closely um, to be able to um, uptick our average net tuition per student for our incoming, for our incoming kids, our new kids, while at the same time maintaining and oftentimes increasing the amount of financial aid that we're giving out to, to, to maintain the focus on equity and inclusion that's so fundamental to, to Miss Halls. And then I need to credit um, uh, the Gordon School in Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a board member is involved at the Gordon School, and she brought to my attention uh, what they call FIT, uh, Family Index Tuition. And they've actually been really successful with it, and they held, um, they've held a couple different conferences about it. And um, so definitely all credit to, to Gordon School for the pieces of, of, of their model that we've, you know, incorporated into personalized family tuition. Um, but basically, so, so we were at this point where we felt that what we were doing, at least internally, was very, very equitable, very, um, you know, focused on maintaining and increasing, you know, the diversity of our student population. We're really proud of it. Yet the external messaging was still mired in this traditional messaging of, you Mm -hmm. know, domestic full pay is 64.5. And then in small print, financial aid is available. Right. You know, what does that, what does that mean to a family? Sure. They know they can only pay 20 and they go to the website and, you know, they see 64, five, they know it's completely 
outside their realm of yeah, possibility. Out of touch, yeah. And they have no idea what financial aid might look like. You know, are they going to go through this whole process and find out on March 10th that, you know, our idea of financial aid for them was, you know, $5,000, you know, a $5,000 scholarship, or is this something that's going to be accessible for them? So we started to ask ourselves, you know, how many families are we losing because they go to the admissions page and they see, they get the sticker shock of just seeing full price when actually with, with such a huge percentage of our families receiving financial aid in the first place, you know, there's a real possibility that Miss Hall's is affordable for them. Right. But we're, but we're dropping the ball because we're not, we're not front facing with that message. Mm -hmm. So what we, it took about a year of, um, you know, after we got the, the, the strategy in place, it took about a year to get everything else in place to really go public with personalized family tuition. And so now on our website, um, we use, we use real data, we, we, when, when you go to the website, you'll see that, uh, that day tuition, there's there, we don't just list a max price for, for the different tuition levels. We say families, you know, day families pay between 6,000 and 30, $39,000 domestic boarding pays between 10,000 and 64, five international boarding pays between 30 and 68 to 50, all depending on each family's unique circumstances use our free tuition calculator to find out where you might fall in that range. And so this is another thing that we did is we created um, an algorithm that basically um, uh, aligns really well with SSS. And so a family can enter in five real quick, easy data points, and then the calculator will give a a range of within $5,000 of, you know, this is likely... This is likely where your tuition would fall if we are able to offer you a contract in the spring. And it's been tremendously successful um, from, you know, a transparency and equity and an access perspective. It's, it's landed really, really well with, with prospective families. We've heard over and over and over again that, that going to the calculator was the number one reason why they continued with the application process for, for new families. It's definitely, I think 99% of our, our traffic goes to our calculator first and then to the rest of the website. Yes. Um, and then another thing that we did was um, uh, for returning families, we no longer require returning families to apply for um, reapply for financial aid each year. So basically really? when a, fa- when a family comes in, they're, they're basically locked in at their tuition level for returning families. They're locked in at their current tuition level, plus the standard annual increase for COLA two to 5% per year. Um, and so that's had a huge effect on, on our retention numbers this year. Um, we were at, we were at 90% retention only a few weeks after re-enrollment contracts went out when usually no when usually we're, you know, at this time, at this time, we're about 95% retention with only a small handful of families that were just, you know, you know, pulling across the line. But usually this year we're probably at 70% because we're still trying to get families to, you know, update the SSS docs and, sure. you know, jump, sure. jump through that hoop, you know? Um, so it's been, you know, like I said, really, really enthusiastically received from both perspective um, and uh, and returning families. That's a that's a big plus there, 
not having to deal with the paperwork and logistics of having your current families reapply. Yeah, you know, what what I found in my experience, I've I've now been, you know, in admission specific work for over 12 years. And I can probably think of one or two families that, you know, after they've enrolled, they struck gold or, you know, got that crazy new job that would have like bumped them up in in their tuition. And so for 99.9% of the families, this is just, you know, a, a huge hoop for them to jump through. And it really, at the end of the day, the tuition level doesn't change. The financial aid level stays the same. And it's just a, it's just a big ask. So it, it's, it's really improved the efficiency um, of my team and, and our use of time as well. We now are, are freed up and can stop focusing on, on, you know, getting our last families to complete the SSS when we know that there's not really going to be any change in, in all likelihood. And we can focus on outreach. We can focus on student support. We can focus on, accepted students events and keeping our, our new students engaged. One of the things I noticed is in, in those buckets that you were talking about, you, you have calculated a minimum payment for each bucket. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure that has something to do with your net tuition revenue at the end of the day. Correct? Yes. Yes. Right. So, so um, you know, it's important to, it's, it, it's important to be realistic you know, yes. about, about the, the, the numbers that you need to bring in, in, in order to, in order to, to hit that net tuition revenue goal. And also, you know, the goal of increasing the, the average net tuition. So, um, we do have, you know, we do have some exceptions to the rule. Um, we always, we, we always hold off, um, several, several spots for, um, uh, we, we allocate them to certain programs that, w- that we work with. So we do have occasionally families that will come in, like, for example, domestic boarding. Um, we'll, we'll hold off to the side uh, several spots per year for, for families that, you know, can pay $500 or $1,000. Right. Right. Kids are important. We need these kids in our community for all they bring and all they contribute. And, and um, that was actually the number one question that came from the faculty when, when we rolled out the, the personalized family tuition um, to them before we went public was a concern. Does this mean that we're going to be giving out less financial aid? Does this mean that we're going to, um, you know, not be supporting, you know, these programs that we've worked with for years? How is this going to affect the, you know, diversity of our student population? And um, the answer is emphatically, emphatically no in in fact uh an nais study that um i used when i was presenting this to the board shows that typically schools that move to an index tuition models to an index tuition model end up giving uh, end up increasing the amount of financial aid that they give that they give out per year and we maintained our commitments to the programs that we work with mm-hmm. um for, for, you know, absolutely exceptional and, and valuable and needed kids on our campus, the buckets, the, 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 the minimums are actually set by just the reality, mm-hmm. understanding our markets. You know, we understand that, that our day, uh, you know, we, we looked at who are our day families and what are our low end day families paying? And it came in right around six. So we just said that on our website, our day families pay between six and 39. Uh, we looked at our domestic boarding families. 
what are what are they paying on the low end? And it turns out to be around 10. So we just put that on our website. Um, so um, what we found, what we found this year, and, and it was the goal, where that, where personalized family tuition helps us is that it brings in, we're able to, we're able to maintain the commitment to, to the low end families, because it's also helping bring in those mid to high pay families that would have balked at the sticker shock on the front end. Right. That's and right. so we've seen that in the domestic market um, this year, for sure, a real bump in those, those mid pay families that probably wouldn't have, they probably would have gone and seen, you know, 39,000 per day or 64, five for domestic boarding and just, you know, walked away and said, this isn't an option for us, but they can go to the calculator. They see that it is accessible, um, that it is a reason that, that, that it is reasonable for them. And then we've continued with the, the application process with them. And, and you've really empowered everybody. And I think that's the, that's the big part that people probably appreciate is that they're really involved in the process from day one. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a scary process. Most of these families, uh, maybe their last involvement in financial aid was perhaps when they went to college. Uh, but it's a, it's a little different with their, with their kids now getting involved. So congratulations. And I assume that uh, listeners out there um, can give you a call to ask you some questions about uh, perhaps implementing this as well. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I welcome it. Again, I'm appreciative to, to you know, everyone at the Gordon School for all they shared with us so that we could develop ours. And I'm happy to, to pay it forward. I've already been in contact with some schools who've been asking me for it. I'm happy to share any information that, that would be helpful. Well, uh, thank you again. In the spirit of collegiality, it's, it's all going to make uh, the whole atmosphere better for all these families. Uh, obviously, to put this all together, uh, I want to go back to your statement about the job of a director of admissions, director of enrollment management, and you, you made the statement, you know, you've got to be willing to go for it, basically do what it takes to get it done. Uh, in, your, in your busy times, because I want to kind of point out the fact of how much admission officers put in to make it happen. This episode is brought to you by ISCA. Does your board chair know about ISCA, the Independent School Chairpersons Association? The mission of ISCA is to support independent school board chairs in becoming effective governance leaders for their boards. ISCA accomplishes this by offering peer support and networking resources and educational opportunities. Get your board chair connected to ISCA today by visiting iscachairs.org. That's I-S-C-A-C-H-A-I-R-S dot org. I-S-C-A-C-H-A-I-R-S dot org. What would you say in, a, in your busy times? Well, how many hours a week are you putting into admissions work? <laughs> it feels pretty 24-7. You know, I, uh, uh, particularly, you know, in, in the crunch times, you know, it's, it's, it, it's round the clock. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate that both that, that I love what I do. I really believe in, in the importance of, of what I and my team are doing, um, you know, from a philosophical standpoint, sure. it, it, it's important to get out there and, and help, uh, help provide the opportunity to attend a great school like Miss Hall's 
um, for kids who are interested in taking advantage of that. This is, this is a, a life-changing, transformative um, experience. And so, so you know, it, it's important for me to do that. But I'm also lucky that, that my wife is also the director of in, enrollment and family engagement at her school in, oh, in wow. Springfield. So she gets it. So, yes. so, so, you know, when I'm, when I'm on a webinar at, you know, nine o'clock at night with Mexican families um, on, you know, on Thursday, she totally, totally understands. Um, but yeah, it's, it's important to, to definitely build in time for, you know, self-care some, you know, Sure. You got to take care of yourself and, and and find those spaces, but but it's 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 a crazy schedule. So would it be safe to say that a sixty hour plus week is not unusual at certain times? Oh, absolutely, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> you didn't hesitate with that one. No. <laughs> well, let me get get back to another important point you just alluded to, and that is you have to take care of yourself. What do you do to keep that balance of family? Uh, personal care, mindfulness, what's a, what's a day like for you in terms of, do you eat certain things? Do you exercise? I mean, you look like you're very fit. What do you do? Um, to that end, uh, I, you know, I, I've, you know, I've learned some lessons along the way and I found <laughs> something that I found, I, I found something that's working for me currently has been working for me for, you know, the last, the last couple of years. Um, I've gotten really into, to rowing, indoor rowing. So oh, wow. that's the, that's the first thing I do. And well, first thing I do in the morning is I get up at 5am and that's when I'm on WeChat and communicating in real time with Chinese consultants sure. and, and families. Yeah. Um, but then, um, you know, seven to 8am it's, it's 10 K a day, seven days a week, no days off. Like I definitely need to, I, I definitely get some, get, uh, exercise in. Um, I've learned, you know, I'm going to, as, as I've gotten older and my metabolism is changing, I've, I've, I've learned that I need to eat, you know, in different ways than I, than I was eating maybe 10, 15 years ago. That's, that's really important. Um, and then, uh, you know, I'm lucky. I, I, I really, I really enjoy and appreciate the simple things. So, um, uh, you know, we, we love animals in my house. We have five cats and two dogs. So that in <laughs> itself is, can be a huge distraction, welcome or unwelcome at times. Um, yep. but it definitely takes my mind off of work sometimes. Um, during the, you know, when the, when the pandemic, um, hit, uh, you know, last spring, my wife and I said, well, this is a perfect summer to do a garden. So that's what we were doing this past weekend was getting the garden set up again, enjoying, enjoying that. And, uh, and, uh, we really love to travel too, you know? Um, so, so in normal times, you know, banking up those, those sky miles and those hotel points and, and taking advantage of them uh, when we can for, what, for vacations. What have you enjoyed the most? Where have you traveled at, as a family that you've really enjoyed? As a family, uh, we like to go, we like to go to Mexico, like to go down to um, uh, you know, in a little Island off the coast of Cancun called Isla Mujeres. So you've got a spot that that's sort of our go-to spot down mm. there. Um, and I really, I really love Brazil. And so I was, I was, um, very fortunate to be able to bring my wife along, um, for our, our uh, honeymoon, uh, well, our anniversary one year and able to travel around Brazil and, and enjoy Brazil. So we're beach people. We like, yeah, we like, yeah. the tro we like the tropical vibe and, um, and, uh, we like to sit on the beach and do very little. And that is just, 
perfect for us. So no, I think uh, any place is good when you when you have what I call that uh, that atmosphere of uh, no responsibility. Yeah, you know, and, and my wife and I are same way. We're beach people. We uh, uh, we both honeymooned and uh, got married in the Caribbean. So I, mm-hmm. I'm right there with you. I under I understand that com- that completely. Uh, you've you've traveled the world. Uh, you've you've had a, a chance to see the crucial importance of understanding uh, the connections of humanity. As you've seen what has transpired, let's say over the last four years, um, what do you think that just we as as human beings or a society need to really focus on moving forward to make things better? I think we need to focus on you know remembering the commonalities, what we share, the the things that that, and that's that's what's really that's what's really been sort of a driving. A driving question for me on a really personal level is, is wanting to understand, you know, what is common to all of, all of humankind, right? Like, so, mm-hmm. um, you know, little, you know, little things, you know, I'm a big soccer fan. I follow, wow. I follow European football real closely and the, the I, I never actually played it, but the reason why is because it's the largest culturally unifying phenomenon that the planet has ever seen. And I've been in countless situations where I'm sitting in, in some little pub somewhere, and I don't speak the language of anyone else around me, me and the people are tuned in on this game and we're sharing this common experience and we're 110% on this, on the same page, you know, and it's, it's those, it's those little things that for me, um, are really heartening and I think are increasingly important to remember those touch points of, of humanity. I think, I think they far outnumber and outweigh the ways in which we differ in terms of, you know, philosophies and, and cultures. I think that's, what's important. I, uh, I couldn't agree more. I've had the opportunity uh, not only to travel uh, in my work in admissions, but also prior to that, and you're absolutely right. I, I've always felt that I don't care where you are, a smile means the same thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, so kind of along that, al- along that theme. Well, let me, you know, ask you about a message you might want to impart to the world. Say we're creating a billboard on the freeway of life. Okay. What would you want that billboard to say? That's a tough one. Um, <laughs> I don't know how many words you can fit on a, on a billboard, but, you know, a message of unity, you know, we're all in this together. You know, I think that, I think that that is um, um, something that sort of another, you know, silver lining to the cloud of the, the, the pandemic is, you know, going on a year there, there really hasn't been anything to do except, you know, walk my dogs around the neighborhood. Right. And, and getting, I've, I've actually gotten to know my wife and I both have gotten to know all of our neighbors mm. that previously were busy living their lives and we were busy living our lives. And now, you know, they see us walk by their porch every day and we wave and, and, and have a chat. And what's really been emphasized for me is, is the importance of, of the, the connection that you have with, with, your immediate surroundings, with your community, with your neighbors, the people that you interact with every day, just 
um, you know, approaching it as, as from, from a place of curiosity, support, care, compassion, understanding, um, you know, something that, that, that I recently became aware of my wife is, is on, um, there's, there's Facebook groups called, um, called the buy nothing groups. And, and it's sort of a movement about like, you know, don't buy things. People have things that they're willing to just give away for free. And she, and, you know, it's sort of like, I thought it was going to be something more along the lines of, you know, instead of, instead of going through the hassle of, you know, having a garage sale every couple of years, you can just throw some stuff on there and, you know, people come by and take it. Um, and what has been really eye opening to me is, is one day I saw my wife putting together a bag of stuff and it was, it was like some, you know, some, some bath products that we Mm -hmm. weren't using anymore. You know, it was a, you know, a half filled shampoo bottle and a half filled lotion bottle. And I said, I said, babe, what do you, you know, who's going to want to take this, you know? And she said, you would not believe it. People are really hurting right now. People are in desperate situations and they will take almost anything. I mean, we've, we've taken, um, you know, we cleaned out our freezer, you know, a few months ago. And I was like, who's going to want like this old frozen pizza that we decided we're, we're not going to eat and boom, within an hour, it's gone. There's, 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 you know, the, there's, there's a lot of food insecurity that I wasn't, I wasn't aware of the extent mm. of it, you know, and, and, you know, just learning a lot from these interactions, you know, my wife goes back and forth and chats with these people and sort of gets their story about why they're taking it. And it's just, it's just really opened my eyes to, it's made it very real for me that, that, that right in my community, you know, there are people that, that, need help. And there are people that are helping and just being a part of that and, and being aware and sensitive to that, I think is, is really important and something that I, 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 I take with me every day now more than, more than before the pandemic hit. Now I'm, I'm just more keenly aware of it. Yeah. It's, it's not anything we have to do across the world. Uh, maybe, maybe the need is just across the street. Exactly. Exactly. We can help. You have been so gracious with your time and I, we could go on certainly a lot longer, but I, I want to thank you so much, David, for sharing your philosophy and your successes. Uh, is there anything um, before we end that you'd like to impart to our listeners on any level? Uh, I just wish everyone the best. And if anyone has, uh, has, you know, high school age girls out there, check out Miss Hall School. It's a great place empowering young women, uh, celebrating voices and preparing the next female leaders of the world. So, well, thank you. And I know that that's very personal for you because you shared with me before we started this podcast that you, you have two daughters. And so, yes, absolutely. Yep. It's very real for you. Absolutely. Super important. It feels more, as we were saying, it feels, feels more prescient and, and important now than, than ever before to, to, you know, em, em, empower women and give them the, the leadership skills and the, the confidence and, and the strength to really be their authentic selves and contribute to the world and have their voices heard. So, so I'm, I'm really proud to come to work every day. And that's why I love getting out there and talking about Miss Hall School. Well, your, your, pa- <clears throat> your passion is palpable and I wish you just a safe, wonderful, successful spring. 
And uh, let's do this again. Tom, I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for the time. I really enjoyed it. My pleasure. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider leaving a short review on your favorite platform. It takes less than 60 seconds, and it really makes a difference in helping to convince those hard-to-get guests. Also, I really love reading the reviews. Lastly, please explore the full range of our recruiting services, guest opportunities, memberships, newsletters, past shows, and our exciting promotional campaigns for 2021 through this podcast, Roar Magazine, the first ever lifestyle publication for admission professionals that launches this summer, and Admission Fest Summit, power marketing for the new era. This summit will be held in San Diego on December 5th. Please go to our website for all details at www.dartmouthassociates.com. That's www.dartmouthassociates.com. Thank you again for being part of our wonderful membership, and I wish you an absolutely terrific day. This episode is brought to you by Winner Marketing. They are a global company that actually understands independent schools. I know. As their advisor, I bring 30 years of educational success, both as a head of school and director of admissions. They don't try to squeeze you into a campaign template that doesn't fit your educational needs. Instead, they first listen carefully to your concerns and develop a creative solution just for you. They understand the increasing competition in the marketplace and aggressively pursue a comprehensive campaign to elevate the school brand to your target market. Their precise approach guides potential families from awareness to inquiry and to finally enroll. They use world-class methods to raise credibility and rankings by featuring you in top-tier press campaigns and optimizing your Google rankings with dynamic content. Additionally, they create press releases, funnel and ad campaigns, SMS and email nurturing. Also, they enhance domain authority, create backlink strategies, and engage top-tier retainers to get you featured in platinum publications such as Forbes and Business Insider. They will also create a podcast branding tour to exponentially increase your exposure. They've got the skills to help small nonprofits to multi-million dollar corporations. Contact them now. They can save your school. You can reach them at their website, which is winner, W-Y-N-N-E-R, marketing, Dot com. That's Winner Marketing, W-Y-N-N-E-R Marketing.com. Or reach them via email at info at WinnerMarketing.com. That's I-N-F-O at Winner, W-Y-N-N-E-R Marketing.com. This episode is sponsored by the NinjaGram app. Let's talk about automating your social media with the Ninjagram app over at www 
ninjagram.app. This Instagram software will help you automate and grow your Instagram following fast by using their auto follow, auto unfollow, auto comment, auto like, and auto story views feature, and much more. Get over to www.ninjagram.app today to purchase and download the Ninjagram app at www.ninjagram.app. N-I-N-J-A-G-R-A-M dot app and start growing your Instagram following fast today. Also, I want to give a shout out to my producers over at Hype Music Network and jwattproduction.com. These guys produce all my episodes and I trust no one else to bring the quality performance I demand every time. If you need help with your first podcast, they will take you by the hand and guide you through the whole process. Visit them at hypemusicnetwork.com. That's H-Y-P-E-M-U-S-I-C-N-E-T-W-O-R-K.com and at jwattproduction.com. That's J-A-Y-W-A-T-P-R-O-D-U-C-T-I-O-N.com. You will not be disappointed.